Okay, here's my take. Here's my take on the old Dunkin' Donuts, Ben Affleck, Tom Brady, Matt Damon commercial. I think it's brilliant. I think that guy, <laughs> Ben Affleck's won, well, the, and Matt Damon, they both have won Academy Awards. Ben Affleck for directing, for fucking directing, and then Brady's won seven Super Bowls. Now, juxtapose that onto other people who could fill those roles. Could Steven Spielberg, could he front that band? Could George Lucas rock those keyboards like TB12 could? Honestly, I'm asking. Can Francis Ford Coppola do whatever Matt Damon was doing? I ask you. I implore you. I doubt it. That's a that's a hardcore group. That's a blue-collar group right there. I, that's a group I can get behind. The Dung Kings? Yeah. They got my vote. So I'm sitting in traffic, which I guess is, it's, <clears throat> I guess it's appropriate for, for the situation, being in the car, hawking the car in the Harvard Yard, that Boston accent. Speaking of which, I know you guys saw that Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Tom Brady commercial, the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, fucking epic. <laughs> like, Brady's really getting into that keyboard. And, uh... Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the few commercials I caught that I could that I didn't really I don't know I didn't really I was kind of at arm's length or I was uh, kind of lukewarm on the Super Bowl I don't really care I I didn't have a dog in the fight I didn't have <clears throat> any skin in the game all those little cliches I didn't. I wasn't emotionally invested in it, but I watched the game. I caught that commercial. I think it was brilliant. I think it's funny. And, uh, but it, but as I'm watching, I'm looking at Ben Affleck, I'm like, bro, like this is the guy, like this guy's won Academy Awards, you know, but he's also Ben Affleck, like, you know, like he's kind of this weird, flawed kind of, I don't know. He's probably kind of, some people probably look at him like a creep or something, or, or some people look at him like that Boston. He's from Boston. He's one of them bastard guys with Bobby Orr, Larry Bird, parking the car. And then you got Brady. Like, he's he's buddy with Brady, you know? But he also, like, directed Argo, right? But he also is doing Dunkin' Donuts commercials in a fake, like, gym suit boy band, gym suited boy band <laughs> with bling and shit and, uh, you know, but he's just got, you know, those classic memes where he's just like exasperated Ben Affleck standing on the back stoop, you know, like with a cigarette in hand or, you know, just fucking like this fucking bitch, you know, just got that look on his face. Like, and who knows who he's talking about? I don't know. It's just wild that, I don't know, he ended up with J-Lo. Like, okay, I don't know. Didn't see that coming, but... But, but underneath all that is like this dude that wanted to get a film made, I guess, so badly in uh, Argo, which is really a good, it's a fucking good movie, you know? And uh, that he, that he, I, I guess I find the, 
the role of the actor slash writer slash director that does it all is really I like that I like the image of just that mm, it's almost blue collar it's very blue collar right like I was watching the the Sylvester Stallone documentary or you know these guys are so you know like these guys like David Beckham and Sylvester Stallone I I I I know Beckham commissioned his documentary. I don't know if Stallone did, but he seems like the type that would. He's kind of, you know, he's that guy. He's Stallone. But I didn't realize. So I started watching it. So, it, but I, and I didn't, I didn't realize that he, um, like, he was a really good, or he enjoyed acting, but he was just maligned. He was kind of like, yeah, just kind of. I don't know, he was kind of pigeonholed in a way or uh, typecast as like a thug or whatever he was, you know, like and so he just decided, you know, there's this movie I want to make and I'm going to write it you know, and he's just this this guy from Hell's Kitchen, New York you know, like the streets he's just a thug and he's he really kind of is a thug, he's like this unpolished kind of uh, raw kind of individual that just decided he just put his head down just said fuck it I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna write a movie and then I'm and then I'm gonna act in like he was you know all the roles that he was trying to uh, audition for he was auditioning for that just he just wasn't getting he just said I'm gonna write a role for myself and that's probably very common it's probably more common than not that a lot of fledgling actors like that go to Hollywood or or go to Broadway or whatever the case may be, and they, they no, they're not getting the roles. They're gonna go out on their own. They're gonna raise money, write a script, and but uh, but it's very. I I look at it as, as a very blue collar thing, right? I think it's it's quite interesting, and uh, but uh, but. How's it going? Like, how was your Valentine's Day? How was your Valentine's Day? Was it good? Was it awkward? Was it strange? Were you on a dating site? Were you looking at, like, the old, you know, the... Were you looking at... What kind of what kind of dating site were you on? Were you on one of those ones, like, where it's, like, a video, like, an old video that was on, like, you know, reel-to-reel type... VHS type stuff where it's like an 80s thing like the guy's got a mustache and he's got transitional glasses and he's just like if I wrote the alphabet baby I'd put you and I together or some shit like that he's got kind of he's got a members only jacket with the sleeves rolled up you know how was it was it good was it you know are you do you do you feel like it's a contrivance? Do you feel like it's kind of a manufactured holiday? Do you feel like, you know, did you, if you did, I didn't, you know, if you don't, like, like if you didn't get a Valentine, don't worry. Cause I didn't, I didn't even get a groundhog on groundhog day. Like don't, don't even trip. But, um, I do remember back in the day when we, when, 
more times than not, uh, Valentine's Day would fall on a school day, an elementary school. And you knew it, and then you geared up for it, and you made, like, that construction paper envelope, you know? And it's, um, you know, you fold it, you fold it over so that you got, like, a, like, you, you turn it into, like, a flap, like a pocket, and then you put your own design on there. And then the day comes, and you're like, man, I hope that I get a Valentine from Stacy or Shelly, or Trina, or Julie, but you don't. I mean, you do, but you don't. Sometimes, you know, you get like, it's like the night before, you're stuffing those envelopes. You're like, they're going to love this. Or do, do they do that anymore? Like, that's what they did in, 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 back in the day. And like, if you were really kind of, if you were a notch above kind of like catatonic, you'd get some of those candy hearts, you know, and you put them in there, maybe one or two, you know, and they'd say stuff like, you know, no, it'd say like, uh, say like uh, I heart you or I uh, you know or uh, I chew chew choose you you know a little valentine a little valentine card there'd be like a there'd be like a train on there and it'd say I chew chew choose you now you can't do that I think you get arrested for stuff like that but but if you got the envelope and it was kind of bulky you know like there was something you could tell like there was candy hearts in there or sometimes you get like chocolate or something. But that was very rare. Pretty rare. But the worst was like you get that envelope, didn't say anything, didn't have, didn't have your name on it sometimes. You open it up and there was no writing on the on the on the Valentine's card. You're like, damn, thanks for phoning it in. You know? Like how little you care. Like, it was almost like, it was almost kind of a reverse statement. Like, not only, like, like it would have been, it would have made more of an impact if you had just hadn't got me anything, but you went to the point of getting me a Valentine's card, like a little, I choo choo choose you, but, but then not writing on it. Like, you're like, here you go, bitch. Like, I went to the point of getting you something, but not making it special. Like, deliberately not making it special for you. Like, that's kind of hurt. It kind of hurt a little. I'll say that. It kind of hurt. But, uh... The uh, sad news, though, in the world of athletics, the world of uh, Olympic athletes, uh, the world record holder for the marathon, Kelvin Kiptum of Kenya, has passed away. And it just happened... Uh, Sun, yeah, Sunday. I was watching when I was watching the game. When I was watching Ben Affleck on there, and uh, all that bullshit and that mind-numbingly, it wasn't even like a, a very good game. But uh, on the ticker, the news ticker on the bottom said that marathon world record holder Kelvin Kiptum has died in a car accident, and, uh, and uh, well, along with his coach, they both died. They both he hit a tree, and uh, it's just like. I can't recall, I remember back in the day, like, there was a distance runner who ran for Athletics West in the 80s, a guy named Jeff Drenth, who was a sub-28, 10,000-meter runner, um, and a pretty good runner, and he died of a, uh, he had like a hole in his heart or something, and he died uh, premature, like in his 20s, which... It's just unheard of. It's just, 
it's just like runners you know it's kind of uh, uh, anti uh, antithetical to <clears throat> your to to poor health is you know you run you're a runner but uh, he just didn't know he had a hole in his heart and uh, but yeah Kelvin that's just like mind-blowing because he was only 24 which just uncorks a bunch of other kind of questions like or scenarios in my head I don't know like 24 so young so young like um, Steve Prefontaine was 24 when he died right and uh, which reverberated like throughout the sports world because he had just uh, only three years earlier was running in the Olympics uh, as a 21 year old and, and uh, was leading the 5,000 meters with, a, with on the bell lap and got got passed and got beat by uh, Lassie Vera of Finland uh, and two other guys he ended up fourth and just missed the medals but 24 I mean it's so young God so ridiculously young like like we were talking about um, like when we took uh, my producer daughter out for her birthday beginning of the this month the server is uh, he had this mullet he had this badass mullet right <laughs> and my lady's like ah look at that guy's mullet and I even I even told him like hey my lady likes your mullet you know <laughs> like we noticed your mullet from across the room, and uh, but any, but he said. Uh, but anyway, the guy said uh, he said thank you, and it, uh, it was also his birthday. Um, it was also his birthday. I don't know if he said that. I don't know. He may have been making it up. I don't know to get a better tip. I don't know because we told him that we were there for a birthday. He said it's my birthday. It's my birthday too. Yeah. Da 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 da. Say it's your birthday. Da 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 da. It's my birthday too. Yeah. You say it's your birthday. We're gonna have a good time. I'm glad it's your birthday. Da 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 da. Happy birthday to you. But he was. We found out he was 24. I thought, wow, that's so young. 24 like what were you doing we start so we started asking like what the hell we you know what were you doing when you were 24 you know I was I me personally I was sleeping in a cow pasture in Ireland I I had I had uh, bartered or I had asked or negotiated a a 24-hour lease on a fucking uh, place to throw my tent up in this cow pasture in this in the town of Kilkenny in uh, Southern Ireland and uh, I was on my way up to Dublin and uh, yeah and I had an ingrown toenail and uh, uh, probably half of half an e- half an eaten baguette in my backpack and it was probably raining on me that's what I was doing when I was 24 on my way up to uh, Northern Ireland you know to go look at uh the ceasefire in Belfast or something God only knows but uh, but 24 yeah I was uh, I didn't know which end was up you know 24 but 24 like for that for the world record holder 
at the time to be 24 is so wild because it's that's that's young for a for a marathoner for one like 24 year old is barely like you're at your peak like as a middle distance runner as a as a track athlete you know that's your prime 24 is like your wheelhouse like and marathon typically well back in the day back in the 80s 70s 80s you started running marathons probably when you were like uh, when you probably felt like you'd kind of like run you know your track your track was had probably run it your track events like if you were a middle distance runner or 5,000 10,000 even 1,500 like you felt like your fast twitch muscle fiber situation it's kind of run its course and now you're just kind of stepping up into longer distances even like you know like 1500 meter runners really good 1500 meter runners and uh, 5000 meter runners will always they'll always take a stab at the 10,000 even uh, Prefontaine I believe he he uh, he ran a 10,000 just once I think and uh, Bob Kennedy did the same thing Bob Kennedy was a 1500 5000 meter runner he knocked out a 10000 even uh, god i remember Saeed Oida just went out and did a half hearted 10000 meters you see i had Saeed Oida from Morocco back in the 80s like you couldn't beat him he was unbeatable he he went out and he'd run an exhibition 800 meters in like 144 and then he could run 329 the 1500 and then he he, uh, I believe he was the first to break 13 in the 5,000. And uh, he was the Olympic champion at 5,000. And then he just went out and casually just ran a 10,000 meter, ran like 27, 30 something, 20, whatever, you know. Probably ran one, you know, broke, broke into the all-time top 10, you know just casually but he was had no interest in that but but gradually just eventually you just evolve up into longer distance until ultimately you just the marathon seemed to be like for the old dogs the old horses you know go out there and bust out a, a marathon just see you know like you know the twilight of your career you know but but now it's like marathon's like a short event like you like kelvin kept them like this guy was he ran 434 per mile for 26 miles. Like, did just like that's no longer like your grand. Yeah, that's not. That's no longer like your your dad's race, the marathon. It's no longer like the old, the old wise man. You know, the old, the old uh, sage coming out of the coming out and. and uh, for one last hurrah, go out and bust out a 207, 208. No longer. No, you got to be a 140-something 800-meter runner to even be competitive in the the marathon. It's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, man, that's hor- just tragic, just horrible. You know, 24-year-olds, um, it, it obviously has an impact. It's got... Uh, well, like I say, like Steve Prefontaine, uh, 
James Dean, 20, he was 25, you know, cut down. I mean, 25, so young. Uh, River Phoenix, all these 20-something-year-olds is just... Uh, but the world record holder. This guy, I mean, he was about... He was going to run the Rotterdam Marathon in uh, April, which is historically that's a fast marathon and uh, probably could have been could have been the first to break two hours um, an Olympic year he would have run the you uh, I assume would have been in the Olympics probably would have been the favorite you know Kipchoge Iliad Kipchoge was uh, the, I think he won the last the last two mar- last two Olympic marathons but he's like he's He's in his late 30s or, uh, yeah. Like, he's not, he's, he's still a threat. You know, he's still a 2-0, you know, he can still go out and bust out a 201, 202, probably. But, uh, God, to break the two-hour barrier, like, our even our guys, like our, you know, Connor Mance and Clayton Young and Paul, uh, Galen Rupp and these guys, uh, there's, there's nobody that, not, not, not in the U.S. It's gonna even take a sniff at two hours. It's just not gonna happen. But uh, yeah, that sucks. All right, so R.I.P. Kelvin Kiptum, born in 1999. 1990, like no what? Like 1999. Born in like that was only a couple years ago. Like, what are you telling me? 1999. Like, what the? Like that was, that was just like uh, that was like, that wasn't even. Was that even a decade ago? 99. What was I doing? I was. I would have been 28 in 99. In 69, I was 21. Na 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 na. Na 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 Running on, running on empty and on Running around, running into the sun Yeah, 99 I was, let's see 98 I was in San Diego, living in North County, San Diego 99. Oh, 99. I moved back up to the back, the Bay Area. I was living in Marin County. That's right. We had Y2K. Shit. 99? That's when uh, George W. stole the election. The Hanging Chads. 99. Y2K was just around the corner. People were freaking out. People were literally freaking out. People were buying gold and stocking up on water. All the pre-militia you know the dooms the pre doomsday preppers were all stocking up on shit in 99 for Y2K because somebody uh, didn't know how to pr- you know they felt like uh, people that coded computer systems for uh, Y2K uh, you know they um, <laughs> didn't think like the com- they th- they thought the computer system would just everything would shut down the grid would shut down so 99 yeah so i was living in Marin County San Rafael just uh, just doing my thing but yeah god that's I mean it's 24 years ago but it didn't it's uh, 
it it doesn't seem that long ago. So, uh, but God, it's just so wild, you know. Um, yeah, tragic shit, man. Um, but it brings me back. It brings me back to uh, that fucking game, that fucking Super Bowl, you know, and uh, you know, and I, and I don't like to, I don't like to kind of throw shade to anything or anyone unnecessarily, but I kept thinking to myself, you know, this is the third quarterback that the Niners have used in defeat. And I'm not a, and I don't have any stake in the Niners. I don't have any emotional ties. I'm not invested. I'm not a fan. If anything, I'm kind of anti-Niner back, you know, dating back all the way to 81 when uh, Montana to Dwight Clark, Montana to Clark in the end zone. Touchdown, NFC Championship, beating my Cowboys back in the day when I was 10, ripping my ripping my heart right out of my chest. I no longer, I couldn't, I just at that point, like Joe Montana was dead to me. Dead to me. And, um, and, uh, but prior to Montana's success, there was this guy named Steve DeBerg and, and Bill Walsh, literally said, this was a quote, he said, uh, regarding Steve DeBerg, who doesn't deserve this, but uh, basically, basically described Steve DeBerg, who he'd given the starting job to over Montana early on in 1980, was just good enough to get you beat, just good enough to get you beat, just good enough to lose, just good enough to get you the championship game and lose. And that's rough, man. And I remember Steve DeBerg. That's how old I am. But I remember. And, uh, but is that what's going on with the Niners now? Like, so they've got, so you got to go back now. You got to go way back to what, 2012 when uh, the Niners played the Ravens? 13? 2012 13 season and uh, Kaepernick. Took him, uh, took him to the Super Bowl, and they lost 34-31. Then, and then, uh, and then, no, and then, and then, how weird is that? That's from, uh, you know what that's from? If you don't know what that's from, whatever I do, it, no, and then, and then, no, and then. That's when, uh, in that movie, Dude, Where's My Car? with Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott, which is actually kind of, it's kind of a funny movie, but it's also got uh, Jennifer Garner in it, who was married to Ben Affleck. It all comes full circle, people. You heard it here first. But, but hey, but anyway, so then, and then, then in 2018, 2018, 2019, no, no, 2019-2020 season. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo 
takes the Niners to, uh, and it's such a good, you know, every, every iteration of that team is good. Um, every piece in place, but, uh, Garoppolo just, you know, you could see, you could almost kind of see, and I love, I love Jimmy G, you know, expatriate, right? And, uh, but, uh, couldn't get the job done. You could see it too. Like you just knew it. Like I knew the Chiefs were going to win and in 2020 when the, f- the first time they beat the Niners and uh, so now we got Brock Purdy we I don't like me what do I what am I the assistant GM here no but Brock Purdy you know like this and here's a guy that seems just as un unbeatable as like Kaepernick you know Kaepernick Kaepernick was a hard guy to beat. He had the tools like a, a Michael Vick, you know, like an arm and legs. Like that guy could get shit done, which is fascinating because he went to University of Nevada, Reno. And it, and Reno just, unless I'm missing something, like they they didn't seem like they were the the uh, quarterback factory that, um, would pro- <laughs> that would produce something like a Colin Kaepernick. But he was, he was a stud. I don't, I mean... Say what you want about the collusion and, uh, you know, all the owners kind of colluding in an effort to not not bring him back, you know. But uh, with the whole, like, you know, not kneeling and whatnot or uh, whatever, you know, uh that whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, national anthem protest right like get like get get over it man like that wasn't even you know it takes a real bitter person to just focus on on that that whole episode you know and uh when that wasn't even what he was protesting but but anyway so he couldn't get it done garoppolo couldn't get it done now you got brock Purdy, this kid that looks like he's about 18 and uh, the aw shucks, the jug-eared aw shucks kid from Iowa, wherever the fuck he's from. And is he like the next Steve DeBerg? You know, just good enough to get you there. And then fart and fall, right? Like, it's just, uh... ah, well, what do you, you know? But, uh, but now, yeah, the Niners are not, uh, they're not, they're not the... I mean, it's such a good team that's every facet, like Fred Warner, Nick Boza, Christian McCaffrey. Those guys are the best. Each of those guys are the best at their position. And, uh, but their Achilles, you know, your quarterback is going to make or break it. It's your Achilles heel. I mean, look at the Patriots. The Patriots were, what, four and, four and 13 this year? That's not a Bill Belichick team, you know? But why? Because what happened? Because you, Remove your quarterback. You remove the one guy, the one guy that beat Patrick Mahomes, the one guy that consistently beat Patrick Mahomes as a Patriot, as a Buccaneer, old man Brady, old man Brady. You mean the guy from the Dunkin', the Dunkin' Donut commercial? You mean the keyboardist from the Dunkin' Donuts commercial? (laughs) That guy? He beat Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he did. He beat every. He beat everybody. Everybody, except Eli Manning. 
Uh, no, he beat Eli. He beat Eli in the regular season. That was a good game too, man. That was a great man. He went for that. He went for that long pass when he was just short of uh, getting the uh, the single season TD record. For, he was at forty nine. He was right at forty nine. He was tied with Peyton Manning and uh, and Randy Moss was one shy of the touchdown reception record for receiving as well. And he launched it, and it was the last game of the season. It was cold as fuck in the metal. I think they were playing in the Meadowlands. And it was like, I mean, the, the, the ground cover was like, it was like just frozen dirt, you know? And he fucking hauls off. He overthrows Moss the first time. Next play, same exact throw. Fucking launches it downfield. Fucking, it was like a, it was like a ridiculous, like a fifty-seven yard reception or something like that. Moss got his single season receiving TD record. Brady got his single season touchdown reception record. I think he went over five. I think he also went over five thousand yards in that game for the season. And that was the year. That was the year they were gonna go. They were gonna go eighteen and zero or nineteen and zero, and the fucking and they lost to the fucking Giants. That fucking jug-eared, fucking inbred, Snoopy, Charlie Brown character-looking dope. But I digress. I have no problem with Eli Manning. Other than doesn't he look like? Doesn't he look like? A Charlie Brown character, though. I mean, that's that's product of years of inbreeding, you know. I mean, that's that's what you do. That's what you do when you're. That's what you do when uh, <laughs> when you're in Louisiana and there ain't nothing going on, and the Saints are the Saints are the best ticket in town, right? When they're eight and eight, you know, back in the seventies, poor Archie Manning. But anyway, I digress. R.I.P. Kelvin Kiptum. Tragedy. What were you doing when you were 24? Is Brock Purdy the next Steve DeBerg? So many questions. This and more on the next episode of That's Leroy's Mama. So, anyway, I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.